Amen. Good afternoon, church. Just a quick announcement, a commercial before we start. Uh, we're going to have our couple seminar in February for a couple of Saturdays. We will have a sign-up sheet online and one in the bookstore starting next week, but mark your calendars so you can come out for that. We always have a beautiful time together. It's always well attended, and it's for those that are considering getting married as a couple, uh, those that are struggling, those that want to throw in the towel, and th those that are in a very strong marriage and want to continue to invest in their marriage. It is a great time of investing, uh, learning, and growing, and considering God's principles as we move forward. Like anything else, uh, what we have needs to be maintained. So uh, count it as important and mark your calendars for that, and we look forward to seeing you there. This uh, afternoon, uh, we're going to be speaking about uh, your will be done. God's will is what we desire as believers in our lives. One of the things that we all come across on a regular basis is forks in the road. Areas where we have to determine which way we're to go. Uh, that is not only for young people, it's for all of us at every stage of our lives. But even our junior high school group is called Crossroads. They come to these places where they have to make a decision on the direction that they would go. And they need help with that decision, as all of us do. One of the things that we know, we make a million little decisions. But those little decisions shape the habits we form when we're making bigger decisions. Those small decisions often determine the trajectory as much more and sometimes in a greater way than bigger decisions. We got to the place that we now stand one little step at a time. So again, we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, and would you stand for the reading of God's Word? I'll be reading out of the CSB, and we're going to start reading at verse 39. Luke 22, starting at verse 39, reads this way. He went out and made his way, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. For, for every believer, Lord, we want your will. Your will sometimes is, is not so easy for us to understand. As we consider this topic this afternoon, we ask that you would open up our ears and our eyes, Lord, and that you would do a work in the, our hearts as we consider what you have to say on this matter. 
We thank you, Lord, for our daily bread, and we so desperately need it. And we want to always approach your word with an anticipation that we're going to be different once we hear it and digest it, and it would be good for us. So we thank you for that knowing that you will do what only you can do, knowing that your word never returns to you void, but it always accomplishes what you send it to do. So we give you our time, we give you our attention, and we look forward to receiving. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Jesus is, is praying here, and he calls his disciples to also pray. So the first question is, why do we pray? We, we pray because God commands us to pray. We also pray because it is a privilege for us to pray. We, we don't view prayer that we have to pray, but that we get to pray. And the things that we pray about are the things that we trust God to handle. The things that we neglect to pray about are things that we believe that we can handle ourselves. Prayer reflects our confidence in God. So what, what do we pray for? We should pray for everything. We should pray for everything because there's nothing in our lives we can handle. We don't have our next breath unless God gives it to us. But a couple of things that we normally pray about, one, we pray for provision. All that we need, we recognize, comes from God, so we go to God and ask for him to provide it. We also, in prayer, give God glory. We praise him. It is a time of thanksgiving. Then we pray for protection. We, we need protection in this world. We need protection from the things that are happening around us. We need protection from the spiritual realm. We need protection from ourselves. And then we pray for direction. God, which way should I go? The Christian would say, what is your will in this situation, God? As we consider those things that we pray about, uh, they're all a little different. When we lift up our voices to the Lord and, and when we praise him and when we thank him, it is us uh, reflecting on what he has done, who he is, when we're asking for provision. We, we're there with our hands, our hearts open, looking to receive. When we pray for protection. It is God. You know everything that's happening, and you've been protecting me, even things that I don't even know about. When we're praying for direction, it's different. See, because when we, when we pray for direction, depending on what we believe God is saying and how we approach receiving the information that we're directed to do, we can find ourselves either very much in God's will or believing we're in God's will 
not hearing from God at all, but thinking that's who we've heard from. So this is an important matter. This is something that is important for us to consider. I um, read this analogy about Alice in Wonderland in this little book, and the analogy went this way. Lost in Wonderland, Alice came to a fork in the road. Icy panic stung her as she stood frozen by indecision. She lifted up her eyes toward heaven, looking for guidance. Her eyes did not find God, only the Cheshire cat leering at her from his perch in the tree above. Which way should I go? Alice blurted. That depends, said the cat, fixing a smile on the confused girl. It depends on what? Alice managed to reply. It depends on your destination. Where are you going? The cat asked. I don't know, Alice stammered. Then said the cat, his grin spreading wider, it doesn't matter which way you go. One of the things that we know as believers, we want a definite direction. We want a path for us to travel on, and we want that to be God's will. And God will lead us. God will lead us to good things, and God will lead us through hard things. We've all experienced that. In Psalm 32, starting at verse 8, the text says, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eyes on you, I will give you counsel. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit and bridle or else it will not come near. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. We were not made to live independently, self-directed lives. That's not how God called us to live. But at the same time, there is nothing less natural for us to live for another's glory. For us to base our decisions on God's will, it can only come one way, and that's through the Holy Spirit. But alongside of that, we must understand the will of God. With that, we need to think about the will of God because there are different aspects of the will of God. God, through his will, gives decrees. That is one way that God's will is shown. Uh, God's decrees... When he calls things to come to pass according to his supreme sovereignty, that is going to happen. Whatever God says, it will come to pass. When God decrees something, when he says, let there be light, 
light will shine in the darkness. There is also an aspect of God's will that is called perceptive will of God. This is found in God's laws, in his precepts, in his commandments. God's rule of righteousness for our lives. Things like don't murder, don't steal. That is God giving us precepts, and that is his will for us to obey those things. But at the same time, God also has a permissive will. In other words, God's desires are not always followed through by us. We have the ability to sin because we have free will. So uh, God allowing us to have free will to sin, but it is not his desire for us to sin, is called God's permissive will. One of the greatest tragedies, I was reading um, a commentary, and it said one of the greatest tragedies of contemporary Christendom is the preoccupation of so many Christians with the secret, uh, the secret will of God to the exclusion and neglect of the the uh, preceptive will. In other words, far too many Christians will want God's will, his secret will, what's going to happen tomorrow to be revealed to them, but have no concern of things that God has laid out in his word that we are called to obey. If we uh, desire to know things that God has not revealed in his word, but then the things that he has revealed in his word, we pay little attention to, we find ourselves in trouble. And, and you see it far too often because even believers mix what they believe with horoscopes and Ouija boards and sage and all of these kind of things going uh, to people that would tell them their future. Those things are demonic. Those things are not as, uh, of God. Even listening to preachers that will lay out what's going to happen tomorrow. If it is God's secret will, then it's actually none of our business, and we find ourselves in trouble when we want God's hidden will to be revealed to us. He has both a hidden will and a revealed will. The business of searching out the mind of God where God has remained silent is dangerous business. We must be careful with that. But we say often, God, your will be done. We often say that. The, the issue is, when we say that, do you follow God's will only when you agree? It, it, it's when it's aligned with your agenda, I'm willing to follow you, Lord. But when your word 
when I know your will is different from what I want, do we ignore it? Do we choose not to follow what God tells us? Again, the text that we read, it says that he went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him when he reached the place he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and began to pray, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Here we see that there is an inner struggle that Jesus is having, knowing what he's about to face, but he still puts aside his will, what's going on at that moment, and says, no, the bigger picture for me is to follow what the Father called me to do. And Jesus, being God, saying to his disciples, pray. Stay here and pray that you may not fall into temptation. We know the text, they fell asleep. And when he came back and asked them to pray again, he found them again sleeping. And this was right, all, right before this event of him going to Calvary was to take place. For all of us, we have a destiny. The destination for the Christian matters. And our destination is very clear in the Word of God. The Word of God tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out from the place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. A couple of things that this text tells us. One, uh, that he walked in faith, not knowing what tomorrow was going to bring. But in the end, he was looking forward to that city that we're all looking forward to. And that's fine, and that's good. We know as believers, we win. We know that God will see us through. But what we want to know is, what about tomorrow? And there's nothing wrong with asking that question, what about tomorrow? People always desire what tomorrow will bring. We just have to be careful. But one of the things that I can tell you is if we follow the general things, the things that God has already said in his word, the things that he has revealed, it will affect the specifics. We, we don't need to know everything that is going to happen tomorrow. What we need to do is have our trust in the God of tomorrow. In, in, in these areas where God does not reveal his will to us, he's calling us 
to trust him, that we would walk confidently that he has all of those things covered and everything that we need to know, he will let us and for the most part is going to be found in his word. Let's just consider a couple of things that his word tells us that we already know are his will. One of those things is that we would be safe. We, we know that. This is something that God has said in his word, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we would be pure. The text tells us, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that we would submit to the proper authorities. This is the will of God, that we would give thanks in all circumstances, because the Bible says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Even in 1 Peter 2, 15, it says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. These are things in Scripture that are there that we can see and say, this is the will of God. Knowing God's will doesn't start with external things. Knowing God's will starts internally. If you have truly followed all of these things that are God's will laid out in Scripture, then a lot of times you are free to make choices based on your desires. If you are living a godly life, then God will give you right desires. That's why Psalms 37.4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. He will not give you things that are against his will. What, what, what this is saying here is because you've taken delight in me, because you follow me, because you walk with me, then your desires are going to be right. And because your desires are right, I will give you the desires of your heart because it's going to be in line with God's will. God is so much more concerned about who we are than what we do because what, who we are is going to determine what we do. Often we have these crossroads in life where we're saying, hey, do I go to, to this college or to that college? Well, we do our research, we ask for counsel, uh, we are checking our motives, and if all things being equal, you have free choice to go to one or the other. That's your free choice. What God is more concerned about, what kind of student are you going to be? He's more concerned about what kind of student you're going to be than which school that you pick if all things are being equal. God is, is not so concerned of who you take to the prom. Obviously, uh, there is a criteria to look at the people that may be uh, in the position to go to the prom with you. But of all things being equal, he's more concerned with 
What are you going to do when you go to the prom? How are you going to treat the person when you go to the prom? So often we are looking at um, wanting God to give us some special revelation as we're making decisions. But God has dignified you with the freedom to make choices because he calls you to make them wisely. You, you may still be wondering about God's specific will for your life. Should you look for open doors, listen for voices in a soft whisper like we see um, in, in, in 1 Kings with, with um, Elijah? Should we lay out a fleece the way that Gideon did? But if we look at um, those things, when God came and had a soft whisper when he spoke to Elijah, Elijah, he spoke. That wasn't in Elijah's mind. When Gideon is laying out the fleece and said, let everything be wet and the fleece be dry, let everything be, God had already told him what to do. Although God uh, did it and, and to show him, it was actually a lack of trust on Gideon's part that he put God to the test because it was very clear what he had called them to do. That is not um, the way we should look for signs. While God does at times give personal guidance, uh, those instances are usually rare and unmistakable. God has deeply impressed things in my heart where I said, that is God speaking. But that is not the regular occurrence. Sometimes I speak to people and they talk to me as God is speaking to them like 24-7. And, and I, I, I question that because the scriptures uh, don't lend that God uses that, uh, that way of operating on a regular basis in that way. Actually, um, he does at times give us messages supernaturally, but it's usually far and few between. What the Bible teaches us to do is seek wisdom. Wisdom comes from Scripture. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says all of God's word is, is God-breathed and is there for us to be complete for everything that we need. God uh, says, if you want wisdom, ask. In the book of James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask, and I give it um, abundantly. Uh, another way of seeking wisdom is research. Now, I know that doesn't sound extra spiritual, but research. We're to, to open up books, find information. If you're looking for a school, instead of seeing which way the wind blows, do all the research that you can and, and use that as part of your criteria. That is a spiritual thing. Wisdom is so important. God calls us when we are seeking for wisdom to go to other people. In the counsel of many, there is wisdom. And then God gives us life experiences. 
for us to use, and we call that discernment when we are spiritually minded. So it is important because the Bible tells us that wisdom is much better than gold. The Bible says, um, in all you're finding, find under understanding. Walking in God's will is always going to be the next step of obedience. It, it, it's, it's not that we have to figure all of these things out and often wait all of this time and, and do these things for God to give us personal revelation. Often it is, what is the next step of obedience? What is the next step of obedience? And it's going to get you a lot further than trying to figure out God's hidden will. We, we see it in Moses' life. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. We, we know that uh, Moses had a burning bush experience, and even in that experience, he said when God called him to go and be his mouthpiece, he said, I, I'm not eloquent. And, and God said to him, I'm the one who makes the mouth, and ended up sending him with his brother. But even in that, as Moses was walking those things through, the ten plagues, the opening of the Red Sea, the striking the rock to receive water, God was building his faith. And he was walking one step at a time, one step of, of obedience at a time. And that's what we're all called to do when we just read this text about Jesus and having this conflict inside of him and, and praying and saying, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But God was saying, nevertheless, not with my will, but yours. We all have those internal struggles sometimes. And then for us, man's will is distorted. We, we choose based on our strongest inclination. That's why sometimes we walk in God's will and sometimes we don't. It is uh, my choice reveals more clearly and more certainly than anything else my level of desire. But one of the things about desire is desire isn't constant. It, it, it fluctuates, right? Uh, that's why we are called to feed the new man and to starve the old man because our desires are like appetites. You can come up, worship team. Our desires are like appetites, so if we are already full, we're going to respond to food a different way than when we're hungry. It fluctuates. In the same way, our desires fluctuate. Sometimes 
the thing that we desire the most is obedience to God in a certain situation. Other times, it is that sin that we love or something that we do, and we, at that moment, desire that more than our love for God and obedience for him in that moment. When we are speaking of walking in God's will and what the next step is for us, it's one step at a time in obedience. It's funny because I've had this message on my heart and multiple people this week spoke to me about, I need to know the will of God for this situation. And, and each time I would smile because I had already known what we were going to speak about. Why do we speak about this today? Because as we have, as um, Deacon Ray already said, this week we're going to have a week of prayer. From this Monday to Friday, every day we're asking the church to pray. Pray as much as you can. God has so laid on my heart that this would be the year of abundance. But we have to understand what that means. And we have to be ready for that abundance. And it's going to start with intimacy. That God, I need more of you. It's going to be consecration. God, I need to set myself apart for what you've called me to. So it's going to be intimacy. It's going to be consecration. It's going to be holiness. What are we doing? Are we separating ourselves for God's work? And as God continues to do a work on us, he's going to bring about abundance on many things because if you're looking for abundance without the intimacy, without the concentration, the consecration, without the holiness, that same abundance could take you out. It's not going to be a blessing to you. It will end up being a curse. But as we find ourselves being more and more intimate and spending that time with him, we are believing God for deliverances from strongholds. Some of us has been holding on to things and have not been able to be freed from things for a long time. We're asking God to break those things. We're, we're believing God in this time of abundance that he would bring prodigal children home. That, that those strongholds that hold them, that blindness that they have, that he would drop the scales from their eyes. We are believing God for strengthening marriages. We want, as much as we walk with the Lord and have a joy with him, we want our spouses to be viewed as a blessing, as a joy, as a gift from God. Not we just kind of holding on in this ball and chain and we're hanging in there or when I get my ducks in a row, I'm going to leave. No, no, no. No. We're looking for God to do a work 
in marriages. We're looking for God to do a work in the heart of those that he has called to singleness, whether for good or for a season, that they would feel so complete, that they would have joy in their singleness and, and loving the Lord and feeling the wholeness of what it is to have that grace from God, because that is truly a grace from God. Paul said, hey, hey, if you can help it, don't get married. Give your time to the Lord. So that is not something that uh, is, is, is to be a look to change if God is filling you and you are complete and satisfied in him. We are believing God that the seeds that we've sown, that it's harvest time. Many of us have been sowing seeds and watering. And I'm not talking about sowing seeds of money. I'm talking about sowing seeds in our lives, whether it's words to people, people that we've been witnessing to at work, our children, our relationships, a business we've been putting time in, we've been putting in the work and looking for the harvest. We're asking God for provision for the church, that he would bring gifted people to step into positions so that we can continue to do what he's called us to do. We're asking God for financial blessings for the church and for our households. To what end? That's the important question. To what end? So that we can go out and reach the lost, so that we can draw the brokenhearted, the suffering, those that are downcast. If it's for any other reason, if it's, yes, I want to accumulate that for me, then the time of abundance isn't for you. So as we spend this time praying, as we fast together on Wednesday, this is what we're asking the church to pray about. Psalms 36, 7 and 8 says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delight. Maybe you're here today, and you may not know the Lord. The text that we started with, where Jesus is in this garden, knowing that he's about to go to the cross and what that was going to bring about. The Bible tells us he did it with joy because he knew the outcome. It is to save lost sinners that each and every one of us were, that we would repent that we would look at the finished work on the cross, the blood that he shed, which is the only atonement for sin. And in exchange, as we come to him asking for forgiveness, receiving his free gift of grace, in turn, he would give us his righteousness. He would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. That is our desire for those 
that are walking with Jesus, that is our desire and it is God's desire for the one who's hearing this for the first time. You may have been sitting here for a decade, but something is different this time. He wants you to share in that abundant life. Would you stay in church so I could pray for you? Father, we pray for that heart that received that truth today, that they would fall to their knees, Lord, repent and receive your free gift of grace and be accepted as a son or a daughter. We pray for everyone here, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would forgive us if we've been looking for your hidden will, looking to peek behind that curtain because it shows a lack of trust. Strengthen our faith, Lord, and forgive us for that. We pray and we repent, Lord, of the things that are laid out in Scripture that are your will, that you've called us to do, that we've ignored, or that we've been so in and out of walking in it and then not walking in it. We need your grace, Lord. We believe, Lord, that as we press in, that we're going to have intimacy with you like never before. That you are going to separate us out even further from the world than we were before that we would be consecrated to be of use in the master's hands, that we would live holy before you, Lord. And with that, strongholds would be broken, relationships mended, salvations from you using us as your instruments, Lord. With that, Lord, that everything that we need all provision would come so we could be about your business, Lord. We thank you in advance for these things, believing, Lord, that you're going to see these things through and that we are going to be recipients as these things come to pass. We are excited about what you're going to do, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and help us to consider these things about your will. Teach us to trust. Teach us to walk in the things that you've already shown us are your will, Lord. So as your children, Lord, we will be glorified, glorifying to you, Lord, as our Savior, Lord, and King. Place these things in your care, and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, family. We will see you on Wednesday in our prayer meeting service over in the Lodge. Have a wonderful day.